welcome to OBSCAST, brought to you by the Medical Students of UCD and or CSI. Please note that this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not con- constitute medical advice. Please consult your doctor if you have any concerns about your health or pregnancy. These podcasts were created in accordance with ORCOG guidelines. My name is Molly and in this episode we will review consent for abdominal hysterectomy. Maura O'Leary is a 39-year-old restaurant owner who is para 1 plus 1. She was diagnosed with endometriosis at the age of 30 following a history of dysmenorrhea, irregular menses, menorrhagia and chronic pelvic pain. A year later she successfully became pregnant and gave birth to her daughter on the advice of her doctor that her endometriosis may worsen and impact upon her fertility as she gets older. Three years later Maura sadly experienced a miscarriage. Since then Maura's endometriosis has begun to impact severely upon her quality of life with her experiencing deep dyspareunia, intramenstrual bleeding and anemia secondary to menorrhagia. She has been taking NSAIDs such as ibuprofen for analgesia with limited success and hormonal contraception such as the intrauterine Mirenic oil and a trial of a year on the pill were unsuccessful in alleviating the condition. After lengthy consultation with her gynaecologist, Maura has elected to undergo an abdominal hysterectomy to manage her condition. You are the doctor who is getting her consent. Please explain to Maura what the procedure will entail and what she should expect for her recovery. Good morning, Ms. O'Leary. Um, my name is Molly and I'm one of the doctors. I'm here to go through your consent with you for the operation. Is it okay if I call you Maura? Yes, that's absolutely fine. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I'm just going to check with you that you're due to have an abdominal hysterectomy on Monday. Is that correct? Yes, it is. That's for my endometriosis. Okay, perfect. So today I'm going to talk you through the surgery and what will happen afterwards, including some of the risks and benefits of the operation. Does that sound okay with you? Yeah, that sounds good, thanks. Great. I'm going to give you a lot of information right now, but I'll make sure to give you a leaflet with it all on it. And if you have any questions at any point, please just ask. Okay, thanks. That's good to hear. So your operation is called a total abdominal hysterectomy. This means we remove your uterus, which most people will call the womb, and your cervix, which is the neck of the womb between the uterus and the vagina, through a cut on your tummy. For this surgery, you'll be put to sleep, which means you'll need to have a general anaesthetic. The effects of this can last for up to 24 hours and you'll feel a bit sleepy compared to normal and you might find your judgment is a bit impaired, but you'll be here in the hospital with us for that part, so that shouldn't be an issue. Oh right, okay. Is that safe? Yeah, anaesthetics are very safe. There's always a tiny risk of having a reaction to some of the medicine, but were that to ever happen, the anaesthetic doctors would be right there to correct it. They stay with you throughout the time of the operation to make sure everything is okay. For pretty much everyone, it's absolutely fine. They'll also see you before the operation so they can go through your history, do an exam and talk to you about the anaesthetic itself. Okay, grand. For the operation, we also put a small tube into your bladder called a catheter. This drains out urine and is usually left in for about 24 hours after the operation until you're comfortable moving around again. Oh God, okay, lovely. I know, it's not exactly glamorous, but it's important um, that you know all of this so there's no surprises when you wake up. The catheter also reduces the chances of damage to your bladder as well as giving us information about how your body is adapting to the surgery. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so the cut in your abdomen will be about 10 centimetres so long and normally we make it just above your bikini line. We'll then take your womb out, make sure everything looks okay and close up the cut on your abdomen. For this, we'll use stitches or clips. Some stitches will dissolve by themselves, other types of stitches and clips need to be taken out. This is typically done by the nurse in your GP surgery about five to seven days after the surgery, but we'll let you know about this before you go home. Okay, I see. I also need to tell you that you might have a little drain inserted. This will be a small tube that they place in your lower abdomen to drain off any fluid that might build up right after the surgery. This will be taken out before you leave as well though. 
Okay, good. Will it be very painful afterwards? Yeah, after the operation, there will definitely be some pain and discomfort, especially in the first few days. When you're in the hospital, this should be well managed. And we always say, just let the nurses know if you have any pain because we want you to be comfortable to get up and move around as quickly as possible. And if you have a lot of pain, it won't help you heal. When you go home, we'll give you a prescription for some painkillers to get in the pharmacy. Sometimes they have a little bit of codeine in them. There's a chance you'll feel a bit sleepy and also a risk of getting constipated. The straining associated with constipation might hurt your wound, so we also want to avoid that. If you make sure you're eating fibre and fruit to minimise the risk and drink lots of water. Okay, that all makes sense. What about things like having a shower with the wound? So just after your surgery, you'll have a dressing on the cut. You should leave this on for 24 hours, but after this, we can take it off, have a look at the wound to make sure it's okay, and then you can shower as needed. You don't need to worry about trying to keep the scars dry. It's actually a good thing to clean them with warm water and just pat them dry afterwards. You'll also have a few stitches at the top of your vagina, but these won't need to be removed as they are dissolvable. You probably will notice some thread in your underwear in the weeks after the operation, but don't be worrying, this, this is completely normal. Okay, great. I was a little confused about that, but it's much clearer now, thanks. Glad to hear it. You might also have a little drip in your arm when you wake up. This is just to keep hydrated during the surgery. When you're able to start drinking again, we'll take this out. You'll be offered water or tea a few hours after the surgery. If you aren't hungry then, just make sure you drink some water and we can try again to eat in a few hours afterwards. Okay, yeah, I'd say I'll be hungry with the fast that morning though. One thing I was meaning to ask doctor, I won't see any blood or anything like that then, will I? Actually, after the surgery, you'll probably get some vaginal bleeding for about one or two weeks. It'll be a little bit like a light period and probably brownish or red in colour. Some people have little to no bleeding at the start and then get a sudden gush of fluid and blood at about 10 days in. This usually stops really quickly. If it doesn't, you should contact your GP or come back to us here in the hospital. We'd advise you that you use sanitary pads instead of tampons for this bleeding because they're much less likely to cause an infection. Okay, that doesn't sound too bad, I guess. It definitely shouldn't be. And it's important to remember as well, though, that this is still a big operation. It can take about eight weeks to feel fully back to yourself. There's a lot of healing the body has to do, so you have to remember to fully relax and take it easy, especially in the first few days when you go home. And even though I'm saying rest, it's definitely to get up, it's definitely important to get up and about doing light exercise and activities around the house in the first while. Do you mind me asking what you work as? I work as an accountant and have taken two months off. Oh, that's great to hear that you have that planned. And obviously just listen to your body and only do what you feel comfortable doing. I also read online that the operation is quite hard on your pelvic floor muscles. Is that true? Yeah, so the pelvic floor muscles surround the uterus. They're very close to where you have your stitches and they can be affected by the surgery. They're obviously very important because they make sure that your bladder and your bowel work well. And we advise you to start a pelvic floor exercise program after the surgery. You can generally identify these muscles by trying to imagine you're stopping yourself from passing wind. And when you tense them, it should feel like a lift and squeeze. You can do short squeezes where you hold them for one second and longer ones where you hold them for up to 10. You can start doing these exercises once the catheter is out and you can pass urine by yourself. The physio will be up to you to have a chat about that and go through them as well after the operation. Okay, I had heard that before, but I wasn't exactly sure what I'd have to do. So it sounds quite straightforward. Thank you. It's, yeah, it's not too bad really. Um, it may take a bit of getting used to at the start, but like many of these kind of things, just consistency is key. And we do recommend it. It's worthwhile doing. Okay, thank you. Is there anything else important for recovery? I definitely say things that keeping generally healthy are important in your recovery. Eating a healthy, balanced diet is good for healing and a lot of fibre is important to make sure you don't become constipated. So is that things like fruit, vegetables, brown bread, rice and stuff? Yeah, exactly. And we'd also advise not smoking as it is generally not the best for your health and can get in the way of wound healing. 
Oh, I stopped smoking years ago. That won't hopefully be an issue. Oh, fair play. Yeah, it's honestly the best thing you can do for your health. And I'd say it wasn't an easy thing to do. No, it definitely wasn't. But I had good support. My husband stopped me with me as well. Oh, that's lovely to hear. Um, it's good to hear you've good support at home as well, because that's another thing that's really important in the recovery process. I've actually told a few of my friends who live nearby about it, so I'd say I'll be well looked after. That's brilliant, Maura. I'm sure that'll be really important getting you back up to speed. If it's okay with you, I'd like to discuss some of the risks of the surgery with you. I'd honestly ne- nearly rather not know, to be honest, but it's probably for the best, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, but it's just really important you fully understand the procedure beforehand, so you're fully informed when you make your choices. Um, I know we went through some of this with you in clinic before you decided to get the procedure, but it's probably best to remind you now. Okay. So the first thing I have to check is that you know you won't be able to get pregnant once you have this surgery. Yeah, I know. Uh, It was definitely something I thought about, but I think getting my quality of life back is more important now, and my fertility was also being impacted by endometriosis. And I have my daughter, so I'm happy to go ahead knowing this. Yeah, that's definitely important. Maura, it's really good that you've given this so much thought. I'll move on to the risks then. So while we would consider the surgery to be very safe, there is no surgery that's completely risk-free. We've already mentioned the anaesthetic risks, but there are also surgical risks we have to think about. It's helpful to think of these as serious risks and common risks. Common things include wound pain, which we'll give you medicine for. And also there's a risk of bruising, delay in the wound healing, and a small risk of wound infection. If you ever notice any discharge from the wound, if it's hot and red to touch, or if you're just feeling a bit sick, you should go to your doctor. Okay, I see. Other common risks include a numbness or a tingling at the scar. This is common enough and usually takes a few weeks to resolve. And then sometimes you might notice what we call urinary frequency, which means you just need to go to the bathroom a lot more than usual. There's also a risk of UTIs, which are infections of your bladder or urine. This would be something you'd maybe notice if it, it was stinging when you went to pee, and you should definitely go to your GP about this. Gosh, okay, good to know. The other thing we'd worry about is what we call ovarian failure. Even though we don't remove your ovaries in an abdominal hysterectomy, there's still a risk that you'll experience your menopause a little earlier than expected. If this is the case, you might have to look at going on HRT, but this is something we would discuss more if it became an issue. Have you heard of this before? Yeah, the consultant mentioned it to me when we decided to go for this procedure, especially in the context of my endometriosis, but I would be keen to keep them at the moment. Okay, that's good. I'm glad it was flagged to you. It's something that you should be aware of. I'm going to move on to more serious risks now. These serious risks are rare, but they're also quite important. Firstly, the overall risk of serious complications for women undergoing this procedure is about 4 in 100. While that might seem like a lot, it's also important for you to remember that this includes much older ladies who would have a higher risk than you, so your personal risk would definitely be a lot lower than this. Okay, good. Yeah, I see what you mean. These serious risks include damage to the bladder and the ureters, which are the tubes that carry your urine from your kidneys to your bladder, and this happens to about 7 in every 1,000 women. There's also a risk of damage to the bowel. This is much, much rarer, affecting only about four in 10,000. These sound very scary, but generally will be fixed at the time of the operation. Um, sometimes the damage wouldn't be noticed till a few days after the procedure, but generally we try to avoid it in the first place. There's also a risk of serious bleeding that might need a transfusion. It's not too uncommon, so I just want to check that you've got no objection to a transfusion. No, I don't. Okay, that's great. I know these are a lot, but there's only a few more. There's a risk you might have to go back to the operating theater because of bleeding, but this is again rare. There's also a risk you might get an infection in your pelvis, extremely rare. They're very good at keeping things sterile in there. And I suppose the last thing I want to discuss with you, Maura, is there's a risk of getting a clot in your legs or your lungs. This is rare, with about four in a thousand women affected, but it's quite serious and something we have to be very careful to avoid. There are things you can do here, like getting up and about as soon as you're finished with the surgery and moving your legs when you're in bed. 
They'll also give you an injection of blood thinning medications to reduce the risk in the hospital. We'll give you these long compression stockings to wear in bed and we'd ask you to wear these as long as your mobility is a bit reduced. Um, the fact that you don't smoke will also help reduce your risk of this. Okay, I see. That's all the like kind of scary sounding stuff discussed now. I'm sorry I have to say it all at once, but I think it's important we discuss it. Do you have any questions for me? Oh, don't worry, I understand. Yeah, actually, just was thinking because I got the date of my next smear in the post recently. Will I not need to get them anymore because I've got my cervix removed? That's a great question, yeah. Um, some women still need to get smears in the top of their vaginas instead of their cervix, but we don't think that applies to you. We can confirm it when we get the results back. We generally ask for an exam of the womb to make sure there's nothing else going on. Generally, if your smears have always been normal up to now, this won't be a problem. Right, okay, that's what I thought. I just wanted to check with you. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose to finish this up, Maura, our hope for this surgery is that you should get a great deal of symptomatic relief. Oh yes, definitely. I've tried so many things and they haven't worked, so hopefully now. Yeah, we'll do our very best for you and I'm really hopeful things will improve for you a lot. Do you have any more questions for me? No, I think that was very clear. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Maura. Let me know if you want to ask me anything else in the meantime. This podcast was written by Molly Murphy-O'Kane and voiced by Emily O'Hanlon and Molly Murphy-O'Kane. Links to the written notes and sources used in this podcast are included in the description. We would like to thank Professor Mary Higgins for her help and expertise in creating this podcast and Kevin Murphy for letting us use his recording studio. Thank you for listening to this episode of Obscast. We hope you found it useful and you can join us again soon.